Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker show on a Thursday. It's almost Friday. I guess you want to call it Friday Eve. You want to call it that? Friday Eve sounds really good, and it kind of goes along the same lines of somebody texted in. I'm looking for the text message to give you credit. Here it is. Yeah, Bebop from Rock Thrill. Great text name. Bebop said, you guys sound like a little kid making out a Christmas list that has no chance of ever being filled. <laughs> so Friday Eve, giving us the Christmas Eve fill yeah. as we get to this weekend against Miami, hoping for something that Bebop is probably right about is not going to happen. But that's what I'm saying. You say that that is the essence mm-hmm. of Queen City magic, though. You go into it thinking that they don't have a shot in hell to mm-hmm. win the game. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's no way it's going to happen. And like I said, you, you, you guys had texted us earlier they say, oh, I'm going to go out and play with the kids. Or I'm going to do all this family stuff. And you'll go out to the pumpkin patch or whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And you'll come in and say, hey, let me just uh, check on and see what the Panthers are doing. Or you may be out and look at your phone. And then you'll see it's 13-10 Panthers with 10-40 to go in the fourth quarter. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I want to get to let, – let's let's get to the campus corner because it's going to yes, be no some good awards. But I did want to ask the text line. Like, what is the biggest Queen City Magic moment that you can remember, whether it be recent history or beyond? 704-570-9610. It could be an upset. It can be a single performance. I know we just went through this with the one-game wonders, but tell us what wild upset you can get to and uh, let us know, and we can bring up those Queen City Magic moments on air. All right, so let's get it now. Let's go to the campus. Coming up. All right. The ACC, we're basically, if you count week zero, we are at the mid-season point of the ACC season. So let's get to it. Let's start out dishing out a few awards Mm -hmm. of guys that we think that are coach of the year, player of the year. And then we can recalibrate our ACC championship game picks right now because obviously we feel certain ways in the beginnings of the seasons and in the preseasons. But then things change, you know? So let's get right to it. Welcome, Mel. Your ACC Coach of the Year at this juncture is... <sighs> is it easy? Is it Jeff Brom pretty easily? Getting it could be. Get- there's some, there's some uh, contenders, though. All right. So if you just look at the top of the ACC right now, you will see the Louisville Cardinals logo above Florida State. Florida State is still going to be considered the best team in the ACC right now. Being in the top four, having beaten a couple of ranked opponents, they took care of Clemson on the road, big deal, and they did take care of LSU to open up the season, the highly anticipated opener for the Seminoles program. But Louisville's right up there, man. Here they are at 6-0. They're already bowl eligible. They're number 14 in the country. And they're doing so, I think, with a quarterback that isn't as good as either Jordan Travis, Drake May, or Riley Leonard right now. 
and I like Jack Plummer. It's no slight to him. It's just here we are talking about NFL prospects. Drake May going to go in the top two, top three. Riley Leonard being considered a first-round prospect. And Jordan Travis, who we all had thoughts about being in the Heisman race. So you have that with Louisville right now. I think Jeff Brom is the guy for me that I feel pretty comfortable with giving him the Coach of the Year award at the midpoint of the season. Yeah, and I would jump right in that boat with you. There are a few contenders there, whether you want to go Mike Elko on the back-to-back or, you know, whether you want to go Mike Norvell because they were picked preseason to finish second, and right now it looks like they are in the driver's seat to win uh, the ACC. So there are lots of contenders, but I'm going to go with Louisville as well because if you go back and look at the 2023 ACC preseason poll, these guys were finished to pick eighth. This was a team that had a lot of questions. A lot of people weren't sure what they were going to get out of this team. They had questions at quarterback. Uh, they had questions at a lot of positions. And so when you look at one of the main things that Brahm is known for, obviously he was a quarterback at Louisville, so he's going to be a little bit more offensively inclined. Well, Louisville right now has the number one offense in the ACC at 467 yards per game. And then they are also, uh, on the flip side, they are fourth in the ACC in scoring at around 37 points per game, 36.3 to be exact. So not only has he come in and had them exceeding expectations as far as record-wise, but he's elevated this offense. They're still playing well on defense, third in scoring defense. They've got a significant win under their belt, beating a top-10 team in Notre Dame. So at this point, it feels like that Louisville's coming out. They're handling their business. They're beating the team they're supposed to beat. And then you score a huge upset against the Notre Dame. And so that was the deciding factor between uh, Louisville and Duke for me with Coach uh, Mike Elko because I almost went Elko back-to-back because so many people doubted this team and the way that he has them playing, especially defensively, how dominant they've been. But I am going to go with Jeff Brom from the Louisville Cardinals. So I'm right there with you. Now, I'll flip it and I'll start the conversation off as far as the ACC Player of the Year. And this is, you know, a difficult one. And a lot of times we lean on the quarterback. And uh, I'm going to do that here as well. (laughs) Okay. So when I was to, if I were to pick my ACC Player of the Year right now, I would go with uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State uh, at this point. Because I feel like, as I've said, he's got the best Uh, resume of the quarterbacks. He's fifth in TDR. He's got 14 uh, total touchdowns at that quarterback position. He's uh, the catalyst for the nose. He hasn't thrown an interception in 135 or 36 attempts, I believe I said yesterday. He's taking care of the football, but he's also a catalyst for this offense. Big road win at Clemson. He beat what was at the time a number five LSU. And this is a guy now that has grown into the type of player that Florida State can count on. Uh, He became Florida State's all-time leader in total touchdowns um, for a career this year. But he's just that steady guy. First, he was a player that you weren't sure about what he would give you if you made him stay in the pocket. He made a lot of plays just kind of improvising and being an athlete. Mm -hmm. But he's really kind of elevated himself into an NFL prospect at quarterback, man. He's calm in the pocket. He really does his thing. So Jordan Travis would be my pick right now uh, for player of the year. Can I have a civil disagreement with you about ACC QBs? I, 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 you know, I know you pretty well. We're starting to be like an old couple now, so I, I feel like I know where you're going to go. But but, but here's us. what I'm going to say, though. Like, 
Jordan Travis is not a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to be angry at you for picking Jordan Travis. I No, look, just because I'm not angry at you doesn't mean you can't be angry at me. You can come <laughs> with it, and I got you, okay? Because uh-huh. Jordan Travis is balling, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I love what he's doing. Man, I am wowed. I'm sorry. I am at watching Drake May play football. I'm giving it to him, and here's the reason why, okay? Yeah. You're talking about 12 touchdowns for him, the TDR stat, four rushing, eight. If you look at context for the eight touchdown passes and the four interceptions, you are talking about them settling in in the red zone at about the five-yard line or in to either set him up for a rushing touchdown or to give it to a Hampton or a British Brooks because they do want to run the football a lot more. You're right at the beginning of the season. The passing yardage, it just was not there. No doubt about it. Two 70 and bad against South Carolina. Yeah, the passing yards have been there. It's just that the, the passing touchdowns weren't as gaudy the, as they the passing, been. the passing touchdowns is the thing that's holding him back. But yeah. I do think that context does allow you to say, holy hell, Drake May is still balling out here, completing 72% of his passes while throwing downfield constantly, throwing for over 400 yards against Minnesota, throwing for over 400 yards against Syracuse. And you do have four rushing touchdowns, what is just a little past the first quarter of the season. Look, man, you want to go Jordan Travis? Both QBs are undefeated. Strength of schedule is absolutely better for Jordan. So when you talk about that, I get it. But I test for me, mm-hmm. I am more wild watching what Drake May has been able to do. Yeah, no question about it, man. And, and and I can't hate on you for that either because when you watch, like I said, as far as a prospect, it's far and away Drake May. And he's been balling. And Walker, too, speaking to uh, our debate here, they're separated by a tenth of a point in pass efficiency rating. Drake May is number three at 158.79. And Jordan Travis is number four at 158.78. So I guess that kind of speaks to uh, our debate here. They're one-tenth of a point apart. All right, let's let's dig a little deeper. This is a little bit impromptu. Okay. But just because everybody's going to go QB, it's hard not to. Yes. Is there a skill player or is there somebody else that you would go to if you had to give this award to a non-QB Keon Coleman was the guy that was going to win it, certainly at the beginning, but they're not throwing for as many yards as they did against LSU. Had a very nice game against Clemson. I feel like Coleman is the, hey, when we need to win this game, we're going to this guy. There's something to be said for that. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to pull up his stats real quickly. They've not been crazy dominant. We even had a catchless game, I believe, against Boston College. Yes. So even if Coleman is the guy I'm wowed by Mm -hmm. as much as any skill player, I don't know if you can give him the award if you have a catchless game in just the five games they've played so far. Yeah, if I was to look at skill players and say a guy, because also I try my best to look through there because I know it is easy to go and grab the quarterback. But if I had to pick a guy right now, that's just really delivering for his team. Uh, I got to go with Jawar Jordan I thought maybe. out of Louisville, yeah, man. That's I, I mean, that's this guy go. is a weapon ready to detonate. He is the ACC's leader in all-purpose yards per game, averaging around 147 uh, all-purpose yards. 653 of those are rushing and 168 of those are receiving because he's one of those players that you put the football in his hand and, I mean, you just looked at 168 receiving yards that he's had. He's catching those screens and taking those things to the house. And then when he's running the football, man, the rushing average on this kid is just insane. And so he's a big play waiting to happen. He would be the guy that I would pick. He's averaging seven and a half yards per carry to go along with eight touchdowns and a long of 74 yards. I don't want to dodge the recalibrated ACC championship prediction. Mm-hmm. It does lead me to Will Shipley convo. Because mm-hmm. remember, there were some Clemson fans that thought, hey, this is a dark horse to get to New York Yes, in the Heisman race. And 
even if I didn't think that was going to happen, I thought Mafa was going to have too big of a role. Mm-hmm. It was just always going to be hard. If you're a running back in college football and you have a chance to win the Heisman, yeah. you got to have bananas numbers. I, I just didn't think it was going to be there for Shipley. Do you think even still considering that it's been a little disappointing or do you think he's been about what you expected? Maybe a little worse. He's been about what I've expected because the thing about him and the difference between him and a Jordan is that Shipley coming out of high school, man, when he was getting those Christian McCaffrey comparisons, he had that long speed because he was smaller. He's gotten to college and he's really kind of bulked up and has taken a little bit off of his speed, in my opinion. He's a workhorse back. And that's the thing about Shipley. He comes out, he's giving him 75 yards a game rushing. Obviously, like you said, he has a split carries, but he's only got a long of 21 yards. Uh, he averages around five yards per carry. But Will Shipley is a workhorse running back, whereas Jawar Jordan, in my opinion, he's a complete back. He doesn't get, you know, he's got four less carries than Will Shipley, too, and almost 200 more yards, or he does have 203 more yards, to be exact, than Shipley does because of that big play potential. Yeah, and Trey Benson, I mean, he's doing the explosive stuff again. I thought he'd have more yards he's coming than he on. does. He is. He's coming on, but he he's is. just playing with the balance offense. So, uh, before we get out, we can quickly make our predictions for the ACC championship game. Uh, I will start things off. I think Florida State continues. I do think they may suffer yeah. a setback along the way before this is all said and done. But right now, man, I would have to go with uh, Florida State. And I'm not going to give up on Duke just yet. You know what? I'm not jumping out of the Duke bandwagon. I feel like Henry Beelan, we just put a piece out about him on the ACC Digital Network on all platforms. So if you want to get to know him a little bit more. But I like what I see from him. He's a really good athlete. He's a Cutcliffe recruit. So you know he's got some pedigree there. Cutcliffe handpicked him. He can run. He's got a strong arm. He's 8 for 8 on the season, albeit it was against Lafayette. But he's a kid that looks ready to go, and I think that Riley Leonard is going to come back in the next couple of weeks. So if Beelan can just keep the ship steady, Mm. Duke still has a path to get to Charlotte. Yeah, this one's really hard for (laughs) me. It's very hard because I clearly love North Carolina and the way they've been playing. I trust that quarterback more than any of them. But, Wes, I do believe in Duke a lot in their defense. Yeah. And if their defense is legit, and I don't think that's going to change just because Riley Leonard is down – the pro- okay, so NC State, I have Duke beating NC State, even without Riley. I, I'm I'm out on NC State. As much as I like MJ yeah, Morris, no, I yeah. know they're going to uh-huh. be – NC State wins eight games. I think Duke is more talented. I don't know how healthy Riley is going to be for the road game October 21st against Florida State on the road. And then Duke has the road game against Louisville. But at that point, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable with Riley. And so yeah. with North Carolina, Louisville, and Duke all in the equation, if I have – Florida State already in that championship. I think I'm with you. The loss they suffered doesn't count against the ACC standings with with Notre Dame. So give me Duke. I think I'm with you, man. I, it's it's tough yeah. for me to pick it, but Florida State, Duke, that would be my recalibrated ACC championship decision. Yeah, Beelan is going to get a test as well from uh, this NC State defense. We know this NC State defense is no slouch. And Louisville's right there. They, they were the hardest to kind of go against as well because, like we said, they have a very advantageous schedule, but they play Duke on October 28th. It all so that's com- going to answer a lot of questions. It all comes down to, in my opinion, November 11th, North Carolina and Duke and Chapel Hill. Huge game. Monster, monster game for that one. Yeah, we got some huge games left. So when we come back, David Faronis joins us to talk Miami Dolphins, maybe some memories from my Miami trip a few years back. Oh, yeah. He and I were hanging out. And uh, we're going to get back to some Carolina Panthers. Deal or no deal on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, folks, on a Thursday, a.k.a. Friday Eve. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at Shroppy WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. And now to talk about Panthers and Dolphins down there and one of my favorites places in the world. This is a man that I met doing a video for the ACC Digital Network. We forged a friendship. And then when I went down to Miami uh, by myself uh, a few years back, he and I linked up, had some dinner on the, the I guess you call that a canal or whatever it's called. Wow. Uh, you know, we hung out that night, hit up a couple of uh, nightlife spots, mm-hmm. and uh, had a pretty good time. So without further ado, Miami Dolphins beat <laughs> the details on that. for the Sun Sentinel is my man, David Faronis. What's up, baby? What's going on? Mr. West, Mr. West, what's going on, man? Good to hear from you. <laughs> what's going on, man? I had to, you know, give them the background, tell them about yeah, uh, that, like that, that day in Miami when we were running around, you know, eating. Is that a canal that we had dinner on at that place? <laughs> A, a, a river, the, uh, the a, river on the river, yeah, yeah, yeah man. In Miami, yeah. yachts floating There's a lot by. Of spots on the beach too. This was, you know, a, a little bit more uh, in, in the city and uh, and on the river that's there in Miami. So. Yeah, man, yachts flying by us in the background. I'll show you some of the pictures during the break. Please do. It sounds like <laughs> a fun trip, man. It sounds like it made a real impression on you. Yeah, oh, man, oh, David's oh, a, a good fresh. guy. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a good guy, man. So, all right, Panthers. Dolphins, this is a matchup that down here or up here in Charlotte that the fans just have uh, zero hope about. They feel like that this is just going to be the beatdown for the ages. But uh, where are the Dolphins at at this juncture? And should Carolina fans be as fearful as it seems like they are uh, at this point? Yeah, I think Dolphins fans are probably down here looking at it a lot the same way uh, from the opposite end, mm-hmm. uh, just feeling very confident that the, the Dolphins should should uh, just steamroll this team that comes in uh, 0-5 here. And uh, the Dolphins, they, they start off uh, really hot 3-0, a couple of uh, strong road wins against the Chargers and against the Patriots, and then had the uh, the, the beatdown of the Broncos uh, 70-20 to in Week 3. And then coming off that high, they kind of hit a, a low where they went uh, on the road to a division rival in the Buffalo Bills and then got humbled a little bit. They lost 48-20, so a four-touchdown uh, loss after um, you're, you're just rolling and then you, you're still reminded that the Buffalo Bills are the three-time defending AFC East champions. And uh, that was a harsh reminder. They uh, they came back with another strong uh, performance back at home against the Giants, uh, another team that's struggling, but... 
still had their uh, their share of errors, three turnovers in that game, but uh, a, a team that's able to win by two touchdowns despite losing a turnover battle, uh, three to nothing, uh, with their speed across the board and uh, Tyreek Hill, Devon Achan, who's now injured, but yeah, they're going for long touchdowns. So uh, Tua Vailoa getting it going, but he had to. He has to rebound from a couple of uh, careless interceptions that he had. So uh, I think a lot of people in Miami are just looking at it as another uh, what is commonly referred to in the NFL as a get-right game and then just moving forward after that because then they have a, a tough Sunday night football matchup at the Philadelphia Eagles to follow. David Ferronis joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at David Ferronis underscore. And so uh, this Miami defense, though, 23rd in total yards allowed per game, but they do uh, have the most hits on quarterbacks so far. So what's your perception of Bryce Young? And is there any thought that uh, this could be a game to where he could even come out and have perhaps his best game as a pro and be able to uh, get some yards and get some offense going for the Panthers? Well, and I even asked the uh, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio uh, for the Dolphins, a story defensive coordinator who actually was the Carolina Panthers' first uh, DC. Uh, he goes back uh, that far in, in uh, this type of level of of coaching. Obviously, has been a head coach in the NFL. If uh, if he would try, if he would be more enticed against a young quarterback to uh, send him some more blitzes. He's not known to be someone to blitz that often. He uh, he likes to have his guys sit back in different zone coverages, although disguising different coverages. So it's not like it's always the same looks with the two high safeties and such, but. Uh, but different coverages, and, and he says no, he, he likes to keep it consistent. It's not like he's going to blitz more just because it's a young quarterback and try to confuse him, but uh, be consistent in, in, in his beliefs, in his scheme, and then uh, still maybe throw in some of those exotic blitzes, blitzes which uh, he, he does enjoy doing uh, just more so as an element of surprise when he does it less than uh, than doing it too often, which down here in Miami, the previous defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, he seemed he always had a high blitz percentage, so it's it's quite the contrary. Uh, for a defense, it's kind of uh, shifting because they previously, under Boyer and previous head coach Brian Flores, had a lot of guys on defense that were built for that scheme where they played a lot of man on the um, on the outside and uh, sent heavy blitzes. Uh, if, if people remember uh, when uh, they played Lamar Jackson, that's how they were effective against him and sending a lot of guys, a lot of bodies at him. And then, uh, so it, it's a, a, a difference in philosophy. David so Ferron. Fangio, Sorry, go ahead, David. Oh, yeah. So then now under Fangio, it's kind of just, a, they're going through a little bit of, a, of an adjustment, a changing period in why they're not maybe where they want to be in the defensive rankings, but uh, they had a nice bounce back against the Giants, kept them out of the end zone uh, uh, defensively. Uh, it was only a pick six that the Giants scored. So, and getting the pass rush going as well, had seven uh, sacks and the quarterback hits that, uh, that Wes mentioned there. And so you talk about the defense here a little bit, David. What has happened to this Dolphins team overall when they've struggled, so to speak, having the close game against the Patriots and of course the actual loss that they took to the buffalo bills yeah and i wouldn't even pin uh that that road uh close game on something that football as so much of a struggle against the patriots because uh it was before they kind of hit this tough uh, patch that the patriots are on getting blown out by the saints and those back-to-back bill belichick worst losses that he's had in his career so uh they were kind of still playing some strong uh, ish football uh, at that point of the year, and it's always tough in the division uh, to win on the road. So uh, some people still had that game as sort of like a trap game for the Dolphins. Uh, they had to go into Foxborough and 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 get a win. So uh, that one is more so just tough division rivals going against each other. The Bills, one thing that uh, really faltered for the Dolphins there is that uh, Stephon Diggs ate them up. Xavier uh, Howard, uh, obviously this team doesn't have Jalen Ramsey uh, yet because 
they traded for him, but he had that knee injury early in training camp, so he won't have a, a return to play until the middle to late portion of the season. But Fabian Howard would be the other cornerback. He's a four-time Pro Bowler on one side. Vic Fangio didn't want to uh, switch sides with his cornerbacks, so they had Diggs going uh, primarily on the opposite side, going against the second corner, Cater Kohu, and the Dolphins never adjusted, and uh, Diggs just uh, he flat out uh, won that matchup and, and exposed them. So uh, that's how he had his 120 yards, three touchdowns. And that was really where I felt that game was lost uh, for sure. Um, David, when you look at Miami's offensive line, we know that Tua is the fastest to throw the football at the time of the snap compared to any other quarterback in the NFL. But what does this offensive line look like? I know they've had a couple of injuries so far this season. Yeah, the offensive line is a huge key to that. And uh, Tua, regardless of who's in front of him, like you said, he does get the ball out quickly. That's something that he had to pick up early in his career when he was playing uh, behind one of the worst offensive lines for his first couple of seasons. And in order to keep guys off of him, he had to (laughs) release that ball very, very quickly. So uh, Austin Jackson at right tackle, which is Tua's blind side as a left-handed thrower, uh, has been really strong in his fourth year. He was, he's had to shed this bust label after he was a first-round pick in 2020 and uh, had a couple of injuries last year where he barely played uh, with that ankle, but uh, has come all, come along really strong this season. Uh, Teron Armstead, four-time Pro Bowl left tackle that they picked up, uh, who was with the Saints uh, all those years, and then uh, they, they signed him last year. Uh, so he earned his fourth Pro Bowl here in Miami, and he's had uh, uh, several uh, injuries uh, so far this year, the latest the knee that he left the Buffalo Bills game. So uh, Kendall Lamb has been uh, there uh, filling in for him uh, rather well, uh, but still uh, is liable to give up a sack. I know uh, a struggle against Brian Burns, one of the elite pass rushers in the league, and a South Florida kid as well, who I covered well when he was in high school. And then the other thing is uh, center Connor Williams. Uh, he's a guy who played a lot of guard in his career with the Cowboys. Came over last season, transitioned to center, and the Dolphins' offensive line is just so much better when he's in there anchoring it. And uh, and Liam Eikenberg, who his backup, had struggled when he's been uh, out of the lineup. So Williams is dealing with a groin injury. He just missed a second consecutive practice today. So now his status is, is in doubt after he did return uh, rather successfully against the Giants last week. So, David, last thing when you get out of here, when you look at this Carolina team on both sides of the ball, uh, who is the player on offense and then on defense that uh, the Dolphins are going to have to target the most to have success? Yeah, uh, that, that the Dolphins will have to watch out for on Carolina. I'd go uh, yeah, receiver Adam Thielen uh, to me. So um, maybe would he entice Fangio to uh, decide to now uh, switch sides with his cornerbacks? Would he want uh, some Xavier Howard uh, uh, shadowing him? Or will he stay consistent and, and see how it goes, just uh, leaving uh, the two uh, corners on, on their side? And then uh, defensively, obviously, you have to watch out for uh, Brian Burns uh, uh, on the pass rush. So especially, uh, you don't want Tua to get hurt. Uh, that, that's a huge key for the Dolphins this season. And with a banked-up offensive line, you want to make sure he's protected. So I'm watching out for him. And, and I think uh, Von Bell uh, at safety has uh, done a nice job for them uh, so far over there as well. So uh, Tua had a couple of, uh, of interceptions last week so he's going to have to bounce back from that and, and put together a more, a more consistent performance uh, this week. Alright, that was David Faronis joining us, Miami Dolphins beat reporter for the Sun Sentinel. Sun Sentinel. Go check out his content on his Twitter page, at David Faronis underscore. David, we appreciate the time, man. I know uh, it was rainy and dreary here this morning, but uh, enjoy the weather down there in Paradise. Oh, no, it was very rainy yesterday. Yeah, you, you know South Florida weather enough to know it's a uh, it's very bipolar where it's just sunny and then, uh, and then a downpour the next minute. All right, man. Well, no doubt. Well, we'll, we'll see you down the road. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, David Faronis joins us right there, giving us the breakdown on the Dolphins, told us who they're going to be looking out for, and uh, basically just told us that Dolphins fans feels like that this is going to be a uh, highlight game. You know, in How high could school, you not? we had some teams that we would play that you knew it was going to be a highlight game. Just wanted mm-hmm. to see what some of your teammates were going to do against some of the bad teams, and I guess that's how Dolphins fans are looking at this one. No, and I, I get it. I don't necessarily agree with the New England game that he was talking about, how it really wasn't all that much of a struggle. I, look, they had 17 points right up until half point, uh, halftime. But also they didn't score in the third quarter. They allowed New England to score two touchdowns in the fourth. And there was that shot. Like, it was crazy. But they did have a shot at the end of that game because they might have got a little loosey-goosey. They did have a nice rushing attack, 18 carries, 120 yards for Raheem Mostert with a couple of touchdowns. But also Mag Jones, who's not been playing very well, 230 yards and a touchdown, did have one interception, but completed a decent amount of his passes in this game. I do wonder if, okay, could you have the whole death by paper cuts thing and just dink and dunk your way down if you're Bryce Young? Hopefully you can run the football a little more effectively. Don't have a ton of faith in that. But it's not like Miami has destroyed every single opponent. You do have a loss. And man, can you get two interceptions off of Tua? Because you have five. The only game he has not thrown an interception in is the 70 point performance against Denver. But every other game he's thrown a turn. He's thrown an interception. So can you get maybe two picks? And then this is where the whole complimentary football thing has to come into play. Carolina can't just give it right back to him or else you're done. Like you have zero shot if Bryce Young does what he did against Detroit because Detroit's offense is very good. They score 42. Miami's is even more explosive. So if you do the same thing, even if you give them one, after you take the football away from them, if you give it right back to them one more time, that's it. The margin for error, Wes, it is so slim. Super. You have to have Bryce Young, even if you're not, if you expect them to not have explosive plays themselves, then Bryce has to take care of the football a little more so like he did the two games leading up to Detroit. And if you have the game like you did against Detroit, then, yeah, Miami's going to win by 30, 20, something that's pretty embarrassing once again. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at this roster, we still have yet to fully find out what we're going to get from uh, the Miami Dolphins because, you know, the NFL, man, when something seems like it's too good to be true, it normally is. uh, And when something feels like it's too bad to be true, uh, these teams always spring up and can get wins because you look at the strength of the schedule right now, yeah, the Chargers are a good team, but we know what the Chargers represent as far as the up-and-down ride that they take their fans on on a regular basis. New England, you know, we know the division familiarity. And then the Denver Broncos are one of the worst teams in yeah. football. You lose the Buffalo, the best team that you've played so far, by 28 points. And so we're going to find out a lot about this Dolphins team as well. Philadelphia, New England, Kansas City after Carolina. So, you know, the Panthers, just they're going to have to come in there and basically just play <laughs> <laughs> just play as hard as they can. But I think that, you know, if the guys believe and go in there, they could possibly have a chance to hang with them. No, it seems confident. It's going to have to be a tall order because this is another week that you're going up against a defense. Like I said, now they get the hits on the quarterback. They get after the quarterback. But this is a defense that there are yards and points there to be had. 803 number wrote in, Walker, come on, man. You want it all. We got to let Bryce rip it. And if he messes up, then he messes up. We're not going to win a lot this year. No, I totally agree with yeah, that. Yeah, this is the ultimate. But I'm just saying, if we continue to see what we've been seeing with the Panthers, I mean, you can't. I mean, if I were to ask you and force you to bet money on something, 
then you wouldn't bet money on explosive fl- plays from Carolina. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I want to see him rip it. I want to see him throw it downfield. I want to see him take a chance to DJ Chark streaming down the sideline. Would love to see it. But if we're going with something that we've seen from Carolina in the past, in the past couple of weeks, then I'm hoping that the dinking and dunking can do enough to sustain enough drives and then they don't turn it over and somehow find a way to get it into the end zone. But yeah, I, I'm with you at 803. I would love to see Bryce Young throw it down the field. We just haven't seen a lot of it. Yeah, Carolina is 28th in big play passes, so they're certainly going to have to find some big plays. All right, we're dropping it like it's hot right oh, now. Oh, man, it's been a little us? bit. Drop it like it's hot. Oh, boy. All right, hold on, give me one second. You I'm got something? Or if not, we can just... No, uh, no, I definitely got some. Okay. So if you want to talk about some winning, I think we should head out over to Raleigh as the Hurricanes played their season opener and also their home opener last night against the Ottawa Senators. They got the dub 5-3. to three. And Michael Bunting, new addition to the team, opened up the scoring for them. Uh, so, yeah, another uh, just a great start here for the Hurricanes. And uh, nice to see a team victorious here in the Carolinas. Oh, no doubt about it. I was all in last night, re-upped the Bally Sports uh, subscription. I had so to do I it could... for the preseason Yeah, game. man. So we had to re- re-up with that, watch the Canes as well. You know, giving up the three goals, you don't want to see that. At one point, it was tied 3-3, three to three, but the Canes, they have a lot of scoring. Uh, the deepest team in the NHL, Stanley Cup favors, they came out and did what they were supposed to do uh, in their home and season opener. Um, Shrappy, let me ask you, hockey fan that you are, yep. should we buy the hype for the Hurricanes this year, especially after the regular season success they've had, but is it worth buying the hype again this season? I think so. They're, they've been one of the most consistent teams in the Eastern Conference, and they've done nothing but add more offensive pieces, which is what they've been lacking. Uh, so yeah, they're a really deep team, and we pack out the house, we pack out the barn out there in Raleigh, so All we right. have the fan support. We should be good. Yeah, man. While I was sitting there as well, I read through the season preview. Some of the language, it did look like Chinese arithmetic to me, but okay. for the most part, <laughs> I did get the gist that uh, the Canes are the deepest team in the NHL, and their biggest issue is that, you know, even though they get a lot of shots on goal, they have to put them in. And so I did understand that because last year I would get frustrated a lot when they had scoring chances and did not capitalize. But when we come back, listen, get to the radios, get the fire hoses out. It's fire (laughs) or fizzle here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fire, 
fizzle. It's back. It's a staple of Weston Walker. It's Thursday at 145, so I know you already made an appointment radio for you to tune in to 92.7 FM. <laughs> this time, we're talking pizza. We talk food the best here, and it's National Pizza Month. And so Wes is going to dictate whether pizza chains out there in the world are fire or fizzle. We're going to start off with Papa John's. You know, the whole better ingredients, better pizza thing. <laughs> Fitty, Shroppy, I should say, not even Fitty, who doesn't like Papa John's. He's a Domino's man. But Shroppy told you, Wes, if you say Papa John's is fizzle, we're going to have a problem. He already threatened you from behind the scenes. <laughs> Are you going to be scared? Papa John's, is it fire or fizzle? I fear no man, but let's get this thing <laughs> cracking. When you talk about Papa John's, it was originated in a broom closet in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Now they have over 5,000 locations in 45 countries and territories around the world. They pride themselves on not using cheap and more processed ingredients. They say whether it's their signature sauce, the toppings, original fresh dough, or even the box itself, they invest in their ingredients to bring you the finest quality pizza. So you know when we had a conversation about restaurants changing things up, right? And the last time I had Papa John's, I remember the dough being just, that was one of the things I loved about it. The dough was just so soft and 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 kind of chewy and it was just delicious and that was one of the things i loved most about papa john's and then we had it uh this past sunday and uh yeah to say about the conversations of why people start to change things and so when i ate said pizza it was it was decent but the dough wasn't what i remembered or what i was craving from papa john's so you know where this is going folks you know it. I know it. Papa John's is straight. Fizzle. You take this it it wasn't what I remembered. I feel like they had one of those meetings and changed up the crust that I love so much. It's a shocker. He usually starts with fire. He put the okie doke on everybody. <laughs> it's a fizzle to start off fire. Fizzle, Shroppy, how are you feeling? I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm hurt. That's not... The way I wanted this to go. You can't change up the dough fun. on me like that, man. People, it was a little bit more That's why you get the thin crust. Thin Pe- crust. People really don't like Papa John's, but I got to tell you, the innovation of the garlic sauce added into the box. Oh. The garlic sauce is key. I will tell you that. Yeah. I like Papa John's. Maybe not Papa John. Maybe I don't love him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I do like the pizza. I'm not going to lie to you. What about Jets? Underrated? Overrated? <laughs> Wes, I don't know. You tell me. Jets fire or fizzle? In 1978, Jets pizza founder Eugene Jets was about to buy a new house. But on the way there, his passion for pizza took over. And he did sign a lease that day, but it was on a space in Sterling Heights, Michigan, that will become Jets Party Shop and Pizzeria that is now known as Jets Pizza. And the legacy was born. Eugene and his brother, John, they didn't realize what it was going to become. They opened a second store in 1986 using breakthrough technology with the use of a conveyor oven. And then in 1985, they dropped its original name and just became Jets Pizza. Since day one, they pride themselves on using premium mozzarella from Grand Cheese and Mama Jet's secret sauce recipe. They've opened tons and tons of stores. The menu includes hand-tossed rounds, thin crust, and New York-style pizza, fresh salads, breads, desserts. You get all that. But when you talk about Jets Pizza Walker, is it underrated? Is it overrated? I'm here to tell you that Jets is straight 
fire, but it is a little pricey. I do like Jets. <laughs> Jets has got the good crunch crust. Yeah, Jets is fire. The but Detroit style. Uh huh. I haven't had it a lot. But it came in clutch around Christmas time last year, and it opened up a whole new world to me. Yeah. So, big shout out to the Jets. I know Fitty is a fan of the Jets after Aaron Rodgers went over there. Let's go to number three, <laughs> Little Caesars. Now, look, man, we got a great Little Caesars on a curve, okay? There's not too many. I, this one hits home, especially my college days. There's not too many other places I can just walk in, get it out of the oven right there at the cashier, and say, hey, I'm ready for my hot and ready. Well, you tell me, Wes. It's not my segment, man. I want to have some kind of influence as Little Caesars, fire or fizzle. Mike and Mary and Elish invested their life saving into this first pizza store in Garden City, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. And she carefully recorded Little Caesars' very first sales in a spiral notebook. They first opened in Warren, Michigan, and the business decision to expand through franchising paved the way for Little Caesars to become the fastest-growing pizza chain in the United States and an internationally known brand. Little Caesars logo becomes a 3D figure used in outdoor signage, and they were the fastest-growing pizza chain in the U.S. based on net number of stores added each year from 2008 to 2015. $5 pizzas. The crazy bread. Even if you don't like the pizza, you can't front on the crazy bread. Crazy bread. Now, I'm not going to lie. The wings are trash. They're trash. But when you talk about Little Caesars Pizza and they have different variations of the $5, you can up at the 7 or 8 and get you an all-meats pizza, whatever it is that you want. And some people like to turn up their nose at Little Caesars. But not me. Not Bryce. I like that where this is going. When you talk about Little Caesars, it is straight. Mm-hmm. Fire, don't you dare turn up your nose at Little Caesars. Yeah, Little Caesars gets you through hard times, okay? When times are hard, especially in your bank account, Little Caesars is there for you. You want a whole pizza? You only want to spend five bucks? It's not going to be as good as some of the other pizzas, but it's going to get the job done. Yes. They have that one pizza where it's half cheese and half of the crazy bread, and it's like six bucks. The crazy combo, baby. Yeah, the crazy bread is unbelievable. The crazy combo. Name a better duo. Combination. (laughs) Let's move on. All right. Domino's. It's a staple, man. Our own Fitty. He worked there. Are you going to knock a Domino's OG, Wes? Fire fizzle. Fitty. Is he fire fizzle, too? You Domino's started out small with just one store in, I think this is called Salanti, Michigan. Uh, the YP must be silent. I don't know. But in 1960, they opened a store there. Fast forward more than 60 years, and Domino's has grown to become one of the most recognized and leading pizza brands in the world. In 1983, their first international store opened in Winnipeg, Canada, and opened its first store outside of North America in Queensland, Australia. In 1992, they rolled out breadsticks. The first national non-menu or the non-pizza menu item from Domino's. Then they got the wings in 1984. In my opinion, they might have the best wings of any uh, of the pizza chains. And in 1995, uh, they entered 40 international markets, including Eastern Europe and Africa. And Domino's opened its 1,000th international store in 1995. When you talk about Domino's, the place that brought you flounder. A.K.A. Anthony Pagnata. <laughs> it also brought you Josh Fitty Marlowe. Those two working together, I'm paying money to see these two. But when you talk about Domino's and what it means, it is straight fire, word and Fitty and Flounder. Domino's helps you out, too, when times are tough. 
You can get some really nice. You can get some nice deals, man. You got to search a little bit, but you can find them if you search hard enough. Yes. Shout out to Domino's. Last one. Pizza Hut. We've had a lot of conversations about Pizza Hut. That we have. Is it fire or fizzle, Wes Bryant? Well, in 1958, two brothers borrowed $600 from their mom to open a pizza place in Wichita, Kansas. They named it Pizza Hut because their sign only had room for eight letters. Come on now. You got to love a story like that. Soon the restaurant grew because the pizza was great, the service was great, and the customers were treated like family. And they've been delivering that same food and service ever since. That's a little questionable. But we have more than 16. They have more than 16,000 restaurants and 350,000 team members in more than 100 countries. What I will say, though, even if the customer service lacks at some Pizza Hut, you're talking about most consistent. The taste, the texture, Pizza Hut is pretty much always on point. They don't miss. So for that reason, Pizza Hut is straight. Fire. Unbelievable. Cut the music off. Okay, Shroppy, he was demanded to do something, and that's how we end fire. Fizzle, Pizza Hut. We end with a fire, maybe a little fizzle on the customer service, but the product, it is fire. We come back with you. It's the 2 o'clock hour. Up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC.